Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... This is urgent. We need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. <laughs> it's a plan. It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes... We're, we're time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Groot. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced people, but I believe with the right push, they can be exactly what we need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. have indeed been uploaded sir we're online and ready and welcome to another edition of another episode uh, another issue sorry god where am i going (laughs) it's another edition of another issue of mighty marvel geeks there we go yes because we have issues here yes we We do. do apparently i'm having a big one right now um it is the intrepid trio Kylan, Eric, and myself, Mike, and Eric is still not being processed at all with any plug-in. That is his voice. <laughs> I think I should go work in a diner somewhere in Jersey. How you doing, sweetheart? I'm Mabel. Would you like some pie? <laughs> I just got to ask, can you do the following line? David, why did I send my mother to Jersey? David? Michael, it was Atlanta, not Jersey. As I am <laughs> corrected, it shows you how often I've watched that movie. But three hundred dollars an hour, you can put me through to his home in the Hamptons. This is true too. Um, to get down to some business, check out our website, MightyMarvelGeeks.net. Check out our affiliates, Ripped Apparel. Superhero Stuff, which Superhero Stuff announced a, from that other company, a Batman Hush hero box and a new Black Panther hero box. Uh, which also, is awesome. Also, right, too. <laughs> Patience, sweetheart. We'll get to you in a moment, okay? No, I'm talking about Let the man talk. <laughs> also, too, check out um, Loot Crate. I have a, we have the Loot Crate affiliate up there and TV Store Online. They got quite a bit of uh, TV show and movie memorabilia as well. Uh, supporting them helps support us at no additional cost to you. So it's free, except for whatever you buy through the affiliate link. So when you buy, it helps. Uh, you got a pick of the week for us or a suggestion for a Marvel Unlimited pick. Email us at mmg at weebygeeks, mmg at mightymarvelgeeks.net. I'm getting my emails confused. <laughs> Speaking of Black Panther, one of the That's three your of us, one of the three of us has seen it today before we record. 
one of us immediately before we started recording. Yeah. One of us is going to be seeing it this weekend, and the third one is going to go see Black Vultures. It's the cheap, cheap Marvel knockoff. It's, it's, it's the real thing. Oh, never mind. It's the real thing. Yeah, it's real a, birds. It's a real black, real birds. It's it, it's a long story, but it's uh, it, the I live in the state of Alabama, and the uh, there is a state park in the northeast corner of the state. It's uh, called Lake Gunnersville, and they have the uh, Eagle Awareness Weekends because there's a, a a really nice sized nesting population of bald eagles there at the lake, and it's kind of like a it, it it's thing that they do every year. And uh, they bring out people, you know, presenters and and experts, and they have presentations. Um, the one that uh, my family and I try to catch every year is uh, is a couple that uh, they, they they take care of raptors, and uh, they try to rehabilitate them and release them back into the wild uh, whenever possible. But sometimes some just are not releasable, and um, so they they take them around and. And uh, do presentations like this. And one of them is a black vulture named Casey. She imprinted on humans and she thinks she's a dog. Okay. I kid you not. There was one year um, they said we need a volunteer for the audience. I volunteered. They set me, you know, they they brought me up on the stage. They uh, gave me this big leather glove and they told me to hang my arm out, to stick my arm straight out and Casey was at the far end of the uh, of the uh, the uh, what's the word the ballroom, and flew all the way across the ballroom, landed on my arm, which was really awesome because you know when you have a vulture land on your arm and you're not starving to death in the desert, it's actually pretty cool. But <laughs> the vulture turns around, hops down. Does does this vulture fly back to its handler? No, it runs <laughs> like a dog. Wow. So we're just. You know, Mike, you work down there by the Animal Kingdom. I'm going to get to see some Animal Kingdom stuff this week. Very cool. And I will eventually get to see Black Panther. I hear it's a so-so film. But let's find out from Kylan. <laughs> uh, I hope it's not another Batman Heart Superman kind of deal. Oh, uh, no. No. I don't no, think I could handle no. that again. Oh, no. Could, or, or Justice League. Oh, no, no, no. Or, dare I say, Fantastic Flop. There is a link to Fantastic Flop in that movie, though. So Really? Yeah. yeah. Hopefully because it's uh, fantastic and not a flop. And Michael B. Scott, who actually has the same honor as uh, Chris Evans, who played Johnny Storm in Fantastic Four. Michael B. Spot- Scott, play- or Michael B. Jordan, sorry, played... My, uh, Johnny Storm in the Fantastic Flop, and now both are part of the MCU. Now we got to wonder who from DC's The Flush. Sorry, it's a low flow. Will be coming to the MCU and joining a real film franchise. Oh, 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 you made oh. it, but I felt the wind off that one. <laughs> again, again, it was a low flow. 
Michael off the top rope. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I'll put you like this. If, if anybody uh, t- took the opportunity to get the uh, to get the superhero stuff Black Panther box and you were wowed by that like I was, it's a similar experience with this movie. Uh, it is, I mean, great story. Great acting, great the mu- the music, like just everything was awesome. Uh, it's I don't know honestly, it, it it's tied with uh, Winter Soldier for a favorite Marvel movie for me right now. It's I don't know, and, and, and how can I put it? Jet, if you if you if any uh, any preconceived notions you have. Um, leave them at the door or leave them in your car uh, because I was surprised in this movie and I've seen every Marvel movie uh, I, I, I watch I'm a, um, a faithful watcher of Ape Shield and we all know that sometimes Marvel movies can get a little formulaic you kind of have an idea you know what's coming down the pike there are some surprises with this one um and in a great way, it almost get, and it gives me even more hope for uh, Infinity War and Ant Man and the Wasp because if they did what they did with Black Panther, and in in the sense elevating it from being a Marvel movie, there were times where I forgot this was a Marvel movie. Uh, it, the the, the I hate to call it the dramatic parts, but I guess it's the only way I can put it. Uh, the, 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 you have your humor, and it's great. But there are dramatic moments in here that just pull you in, and you forget that you're watching a Marvel movie. And and uh, and, But at the same time, it opens the Marvel universe to be so much bigger than what it was. It's now... It's, is so much more now than just, you know, uh, Team Stark versus te- uh, Team um, Rogers, and oh, and also then we have the the people in the cosmic universe here. It, it, there's so much more than that now, and you almost get a sense of the bigger impact of what these heroes do to the to the people like you and me. You get a sense of the real. There, there, there's a real sense of responsibility for your actions. That's probably the only way I could put it. Um, it's a really good movie. Just go in, keep your mind open, and just enjoy the ride. That's the best way I could put it. Okay. So, on the scale of one to five hydras. How many agents of shields would you give it? Uh, I would give it five agents and a helicarrier. Five agents and a helicarrier. Yeah. Okay. And survey says Hail Hydra. Hail Hydra. <laughs> so I gotta ask: any mention of Hydra in this movie? None at all. Oh, thank you. I think that got played out real quick. No, no, none at all. Uh, 
No, and like that, that that's sort of like the other thing. Like when I talk about the about you getting a sense of realizing that the universe is so much bigger, you know that you know is is so much more than just a secret war between Shield and Hydra and you know Stark versus Rogers and it, yeah, it's um yeah it it's it's. I don't, I, I, I don't I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> so, but yeah, you I, it, this is definitely I would say this is just a different kind of Marvel movie in all the best ways possible. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna move on, and since the story has been published everywhere because it was announced at D23. Um, I could talk about it. Yay! Yay! Disney announces plans for Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster at Epcot. But you know what? This kind of got spoiled by by them talking about it at the Epcot 35 year celebration back in October, mm. where it was announced then it was going to be a roller coaster, but. Uh, new information from D23 Expo Japan says that this will be one of the world's longest enclosed roller coasters. Uh, the new attraction will open in time for the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World Resort in 2021. So we're going to have Guardians. We're going to have Tron that's supposed to open in 2021. Um, I'm hoping they don't push back. Batu, aka Star Wars The Galaxy's Edge to 2021 or you're going to have a lot of ticked off people but supposedly the resort with speculation since everything else the Star Wars resort's going to open then which is supposed to be connected to Star Wars The Galaxy's Edge um, but finding more stories according to so that was from West TV which is a local television station here in Orlando um from Disney Parks blog, uh, they said minutes ago at D23 Expo, we shared a first look at Epcot's highly anticipated Guardians of the Galaxy themed attraction. And yes, it's a roller coaster. Can I ask one of y'all to search YouTube for Epcot 35 cel- Epcot's 35th celebration? Because I want to say it was announced then, so I don't know why everyone's acting so surprised now that's a roller coaster. Hmm. Um, with Guardians of the Galaxy inspired coaster, we're going big. This one of a kind family attraction will be one of the world's longest enclosed roller coasters when it's added to Future World at Epcot. It will feature a unique story being created by Walt Disney Imagineering and will include a new innovative ride system that's guaranteed to wow guests. This attraction is part of our un- ongoing work to transform Epcot into a place that's more family, more relevant, and more timeless. As we build upon its core mission of optimism and hope to inspire the world, the real will become fantastic and the fantastic will become real in whole new ways at Epcot, says Bob Chapek, chairman of Walt Disney Parks and Resorts. Um, and again, to conclude this story, it says, you know, the, part, the attraction will be open in time for the 50th anniversary in 2021. Now, while I was looking for 
other stories about this, I've, I see Entertainment Weekly confirms Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster coming to Epcot. Um, USA Today, Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster coming to Epcot. All this is was from uh, from Sunday or Monday. Uh, the Southern Illinois Annoying Epcot Center's first roller coaster will be Guardians of the Galaxy themed. And of course, they put the picture they use for Epcot. It's got that stupid Epcot script above the above Spaceship Earth with the wand. Yes, I hated it when it hit, when it said two thousand there. <laughs> I I was. I was not thrilled with the one that said when it said two thousand, but I got it. I understood it. Oh, we hated it. Then. I I was I, I tolerated it then, and that was like around my first wedding anniversary. So we went quite a bit that year, and yeah, it was. Uh, I can only imagine how sick you were of that and the. Tapestry of Nations for or whatever it was, Tapestry of Nations <laughs> Parade. Uh, that was that would run like every ten minutes. I, oh yeah, I have bad memories of that. I could not listen to that parade music for years afterwards. I worked that show in both variations, Tapestry of Nations and Tapestry of Dreams. Yeah, no. I feel your pain. Uh, how about feel my pain now? No, I'm not feeling that pain. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that scar. No, I'm not. Tapestry I'm not nations. seeing anything from uh, from the 35th anniversary. I see where it says they're talking about an attraction themed to Guardians of the Galaxy, but at that point, you would have known it from D23. But I don't um, see any specific mention of roller coaster. Give me a second. Because I think I'm going to have it right here. Well, we couldn't be more excited about the future. You know, we've, uh, today is about celebrating 35 years in the past, and, uh, and we're ready to look to the future. So, of course, we've already announced at D23 in July. We've already announced a good handful of new attractions coming, including our Guardians of the Galaxy-inspired roller coaster, you know, which takes the place of the universe of energy. Uh, that was from... Inside the Magic's YouTube channel, uh, published October 2nd, 2017, as they're interviewing Vice President of Epcot, Melissa Valaket. So, that's when we talked about it then, and I said it was a roller coaster then, because the official announcement was made. Let me go back and play that again. Our Guardians of the Galaxy-inspired roller coaster... So all these news agencies they're going who said three days ago, oh, it's gonna be Guardians of the Galaxy inspired roller coaster. Uh y'all are like four or five months late to the party. There you have it. Unless she leaked it when she wasn't supposed to. Yeah, but I mean But I she's but she's vice president of the park. It was announced. That's why I talked about it then. It has been publicly announced at D23. That's why I could talk a little bit more about it then. I mean, I <laughs> I have, when traveling to the front in the park through the backstage areas, I saw, I, I've seen the construction going on in preps. 
And yeah, it's it's going to be huge. If it's going where I think it's going, from what I've seen footprint-wise, it, it's huge. Mm. And mm. I would not be surprised if on Google Maps, if you see a satellite view, if they actually show it. Really? So how often is Google Maps updated? With see, a satellite that I view? don't know. I mean, I would, I would think it's interviewed or it, update quite often. True. So, I know where we're going. Um, okay, so Google Maps. I want satellite. There's Universe of Energy. Okay, this map is not updated yet. But some of this you can... I'm not going to... I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> All I'm going to say is... They're delving pretty big with this. Energy's pretty big to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Epcot, Guardians, it's been announced um, just now more details that it's going to be the longest indoor coaster. And uh, if it's going to be at Epcot... As Eric said, that building is huge to begin with. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, we there, it's following along in the footsteps of like Space Mountain and Rock and Roller Coaster. I, I expect something pretty impressive. Oh yeah, I not just so. hope. I expect. I'm hoping. I am hoping big time. But. Speaking of expecting, um, I think it was last issue. We were talking about the uh, the Funko Pop from uh, of Thor from Infinity War, and it looked like he had an axe in his hand. And we thought we was expecting it to be Yarnbjorn, yeah. you know that the axe that he had before Mjolnir. He had an axe to grind. Well, yeah, we had an axe to grind, but apparently we were wrong. Because uh, we see pictures have been leaked or released of a toy version of Thor's new weapon in the Infinity War. And it is not Yarnbjorn. It is Stormbreaker. Stormbreaker, of course, if, if that name sounds familiar to you, you know that it is the Mjolnir-like weapon given to Beta Ray Bill. And there's some speculation as to whether or not Beta Ray Bill is dead in the MCU. Right. And if he is, well, he won't be needing it anymore. So who better? But uh, here's here's the thing, though. If you look at the package, you look you look at the photo. Um. Well, it 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 has a very high tech alien looking head. With an axe blade on one side and a hammer side on the other, but uh, the handle—it's—it's uh, it's wood and it looks like it's been grown around the head to secure it. Yeah. And of course, there's a leaf on the the wrapping, and um, you know the going convention guys is that that's Groot's doing. That Groot kind of like grew an arm and chopped it off so it would, you know, be the the handle. 
Uh, I don't know that I like the idea of, of uh, Groot lending a hand by lending an arm, but, uh, you know, he could create one and have it serve as the handle. That sounds good. Well, who, who's and to it, say he also, didn't create an, an offshoot and let that yeah, exactly. branch off? Yeah, exactly. So this actually lends credence to this Groot's doing because we see in the trailer for Infinity War that Thor is on board the ship with the Guardians of the Galaxy. So this being a, a, a Grootified weapon, I, I'm, I'm very grootful for that. I think it's a Groot idea. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good way of branching out with your puns. Oh, my God. I try to be well-rooted in my humor. I think we should leave that alone right now. Yes. It'd be nice if you would. Yeah. I thought uh, you would click onto that at some point. Yeah. Well, I, 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 uh... As we throw some shade on this story, let's move on to a little Hulk-busting yeah, um, and uh, this is another story from the toy category, if you will. Uh, so earlier this week, well, uh, let's uh, go back a bit. Uh, looking at the Avengers Infinity War trailer, uh, we see uh, the Hulkbuster armor at one point. And so you know, the question is, who's in the armor? Well, uh, Lego... Uh, came out with uh, some of their Avengers Infinity War play sets uh, this week and we see who the pilot is in the Hulk Buster armor. At least according to this particular set the pilot is Bruce Banner. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Which we thought that was possible. Yeah, I mean he would I mean, he's smart enough to operate the armor, and he's familiar enough with it uh, based off of um, what happened. And was that was that? Yeah, it was Age of Voltron because he fought. Uh, he fought the. Yeah. The, they brought the Hulkbuster armor against him in that one, right? So. Well, he helped design it, if I remember correctly. Oh, you know, you're right. He did. So he would have a, a working knowledge of how. To operate the armor, you know, since you know we don't know if we're going to see Rhodey anytime soon. So, yeah. Well, also, let's keep in mind that you know he was the Hulk for such a long time in Thor Ragnarok that he's kind yeah. of he's kind of hesitant to uh, to to unleash the Hulk again. I mean, like he'd be afraid that you know I turn into the Hulk, I'm not coming back. Right. Well, you so, know what? Oh, that brings up something, though. Cause you, so you are, if, you, uh, if you can't yeah, be ahead. the Hulk, you know, wear the Hulk buster. Yeah. Do you think that... All right, so you remember how we were talking about in Thor Ragnarok, how seems like that, well, you know, he was, he was able to communicate better yeah. as Hulk. So it seemed like that we might be moving towards Professor Hulk. Now, I, hope the, so. I would so love that. I really would. I, I would too. Because you know, the thing was with Professor Hulk, he had control of whether or not 
or his changing ability. Do you think that maybe that's what we're going to see here? I mean, because think about it. Operating that Hulk armor, you're going to probably be in a stressful situation. If you're in a stressful situation and, and you're Bruce Banner, you're probably going to Hulk out. And I just can't see that being a wise move to stick him in an armor that he's only going to outgrow and destroy. Now, I could be wrong. I think that did happen once before in the comics where he was wearing it, but it was almost like a decoy kind of thing. Right. Because somebody said, oh, well, it's Iron Man coming towards us. And then all of a sudden Banner hulks out and just explodes out of the suit. So it's kind of almost like a surprise attack, which I honestly, mm-hmm. if if I see Iron Man coming for me, it's brown trousers time. I would say yes. I mean, it, it's not like I'm saying, oh, look, here's a here's a fluffy little bunny. It could never hurt us. Oh, my God, it's the Hulk. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't know what the comic writers were thinking at the t- at the time. Right. But uh we could we could see the uh, you know we could see Banner charging in with the Hulk Buster armor and making a way you know doing a good job until something happens and the Hulk Buster armor is being like laid waste and so all of a sudden he just busts out of it as Hulk and and goes to town. And, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, but that that's a viable uh, situation as well. Um, but. If you remember with the Infinity Gauntlet miniseries, mm-hmm. this was during the Professor Hulk period. Yeah. Oh. I'm not saying that we have to see Professor Hulk here at any point in time. Right. But. But Lord, would that not be sweet? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that would. I. You know, and. The thing was, the whole Professor Hulk thing brought me in to following Hulk a little bit more. You know, the the whole... It's what brought me into it, period. I mean, the rage monster thing, I get it, but it doesn't really do anything for me. But, I mean, for him to still have his wits about him and to come and go as he chooses in that form, yeah. I'm I'm hoping that that's where I'm hoping that's where they're taking us, and the fact that we're getting Banner popping out of the Hulk uh, out of the Hulkbuster armor like that, maybe it means something good. I'm, I'm I will try not to get too excited, uh, but I'm with you, Eric. I'm crossing everything I got for that. Yeah, I, I'd be curious to see. I'd be very curious to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I will say that breaking, uh, as we're recording on MCU Exchange, Marvel has expressed interest in an all-female movie. Uh, Tessa Thompson recently revealed, uh, again, this is from MCU Exchange, that uh, Marvel is interested in bringing an all-female movie into Phase 4. This is during a recent interview IGN had with her about her upcoming flick, Annihilation. 
Thompson addressed the possibility of her character Ragnarok, uh, from Ragnarok, Valkyrie, teaming up with others. Uh, her quote, I think Marvel boss Kevin Feige is really excited by the idea. And if you look at what's happened already in Phase 4 with me and Valkyrie and our story, and then in Black Panther, the women rule supreme. There's an interest. They're doing Captain Marvel. They're doing black, a Black Widow. There's an interest in having women at the forefront of this phase. I feel like it's hopeful. Who knows? Uh, this is, comes after previous reports, which arose during the 10-year uh, anniversary photo, that um, at the time, an insane number of MCU actors and actresses from multiple films all came together for an incredible photo. It was during this time Tessa Thompson reportedly pitched an A4-style team-up to Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige. Uh, while speaking with CBR, the actress mentioned that she had a discussion with MCU actresses Brie Larson, Zoe Zaldana, Scarlett Johansson, Palm Clementif, and Karen Gillian about the film before pitching it. Uh, again, her quote, I think in that group was Brie Larson, myself, Zoe Zaldana, Scarlett Johansson, Palm, and Karen, and Karen who were both in the Guardian movies. Yeah, I think it was just that group. We were just sort of all in that in a semicircle talking, and it just came up because none of us really worked together. And wouldn't it be nice if we could all work together? And we were all sort of speculating on the ways in which it might happen in Affinity War or might not happen. Um, she continued, and we thought, no, we should just have a whole movie where we're where we know every day we're going to arrive and get to work together. So we just ran right up to Kevin Feige and started talking about it. Mm. So, um, who else could they add into this? Well, of course, various characters from Black Panther. Agent May. <clears throat> Agent May would be great to have. Wake. Simmons. Then that would mean they are acknowledging the TV shows, which Feige doesn't want to acknowledge at the moment for whatever reason. Um, but you also have Evangeline Lilly's Wasp, who can be yeah. a part of the film too. Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> or maybe we can get uh, She Hulk in there. I I still say we'll give that to Shonda Rhimes for ABC. Yeah, it could be a legal drama. Yeah. So. Um, that's about it for stories for us. How about actually? There is oh, one. There is one right. more story. We and do it have one. Also, more. is breaking today. Uh, today being Thursday, uh, February fifteenth, also known as Half Price Chocolate Day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, the the article that I'm reading from comes from AV Club, but it is citing. A, uh, a Wall Street Journal report that uh, points out that Marvel, 20 years ago, uh, it's hard to believe that Marvel has come so far in these 20 years. And I say so far because the, the MCU 10-year anniversary 
it's it's one of the biggest franchises known to cinematic domain, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but twenty years ago, Marvel was very desperate for cash. And we have we have alluded to that. We have talked about this on the show uh, several times before, where it was so desperate for cash, it was trying to you know farm out, you know, sell off movie rights to stuff. So that's this is where. You know, Fox got X-Men and, and Sony got Spider-Man. But really, uh, according to this report, uh, Ike Perlmutter, uh, there's that there's that lovely person's name again. Uh, he wanted to get a little bit more money. He apparently offered Sony the rights to all Marvel characters. Wow. Not just Spider-Man, but everything. Iron Man, Thor. Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy, Punisher, Daredevil, you name them. Now, how much would you pay for the movie rights to all Marvel characters? <laughs> all of them? All of them. Movie rights now. Well, how about almost $70 billion, which is what Disney's almost done currently between Marvel and Fox? Kylan? How uh... much would you pay? <coughs> oh, no, okay, now, if I'm, now I'm ta- I'm going to pretend that this is pre now, remember, MCU. This is pre MCU. This is twenty years ago, mid nineties. Twenty years ago, mid nineties. Uh, and Marvel just only... survived bankruptcy. Okay, I would just say survived bankruptcy. If we're talking nineties money, I would say uh, for all of them. Include next men, right? I would say I will offer, I don't know, 10 to 15 million. Ike Perlmutter offered 25 million. Wow. That's it. That's it for everything. Now, wow. According to this report, an unnamed figure at Sony said, quote, nobody gives a blank about any of the other Marvel characters. Now, that blank is a word for poop. We'll just say nobody gives a poop about any of the other Marvel characters. So they instead told their movie rights securing person, uh, see what you can get just for Spider-Man. Person so, had no vision. So, yeah. So what happened here? Sony got Spider-Man for $10 million. Got the movie rights. Wow. And they could have had the movie rights to everybody else. Everybody else for only 15 more. You know what? You're making me wonder. Hold on. I want to see if... uh, I want to look up something on Wikipedia. Considering that was right about that time or not too long after that, we got Blade, right? So, um, maybe. Because uh, Blade was like uh, 97, 98, I mean. mm-hmm. So, just out of curiosity, I'm wondering, how much did Blade, how much did Blade make? You know, mm-hmm. ju- 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 just the movie alone for Blade, which was a... No, we're t- at that point. Blade was what a second, third tier character. Yeah. Um, 
Um, apparently, Blade made one hundred thirty-one point two million. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at a budget of forty-five million. On top of that, and um, mm-hmm. Blade Two made one hundred fifty-five million. Which I thought that was the weakest of the three. Well, Blade Trinity did one hundred twenty-eight point nine million. I didn't say I necessarily had taste. I just thought that was the weakest of the three. I'm just telling you what happened. So, uh, all three blades, uh, uh, you got three more, roughly about what five about half a billion, roughly, right? For yeah, or roughly there about half a billion just from the Blade franchise alone. Yeah. And, and 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 that was a third tier character, and nobody gives a blank about Marvel characters outside of Spider-Man. Yeah. Now this was not a Sony movie. It came out under New Line's banner. Right. Right. Now, now just out of curiosity, what kind of money did Spider-Man do? Oh, the first, like the first Spider-Man movie, like yeah. with the. Um, with um, Toby McGuire, uh, apparently yeah. they no they made a, a truckload of money, especially Spider Man Two. It was breaking records left and right. Okay, and I don't doubt that because I I did I remember I did uh, see both I did uh, see Spider Man I think I saw all three of those in the theater. So you know. I want to say. That's not right. Okay, no, that's not right. I'm seeing Homecoming. Spider-Man: Homecoming did eight eight hundred eighty point two million. Yeah, right. I still wasn't considered that great. Okay, uh, Spider-Man did four hundred and three million. Uh, Spider-Man Two did three hundred seventy-three million and a half. Uh, Spider-Man Three did three hundred thirty-six five. Yeah. Okay. So okay, so so they they they've now made- this. I'm trying to see what this is. This gross. I'm not sure if this is like, if this is including overseas, mm-hmm. or or what. If this is, oh, here we go. Here we go. That was just that was just domestic. That was domestic. Okay. Worldwide, Spider-Man did 821.7 million. Spider-Man 2 did 783.8 million. Spider-Man 3 is the is the the biggest of the bunch, 890.9 million. Wow. Spider-Man Homecoming came in just shy at that 880.2. Amazing Spider-Man, uh the Andrew first Andrew Garfield ones, 757.9 and Amazing Spider-Man 2 did 709.0. Okay. So the Spider-Man franchise for Sony has pulled in 4.8 billion. Insane. Wow. Now see, unnamed Sony executive, please tell me you are kicking yourself early and often right now. I mean, this yeah. had to be somebody high up. 
because they were giving orders to the to the guy who was in charge of securing movie rights to forget about the rest, see what you can get just for Spider Man. Yeah. I just can't I no, I can't imagine that. I would not I mean, because I remember even back then there were talks about attempting an X Men movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I I don't know. Well, I think when Sony was filming the first McGuire Spider Man, Fox was filming X Men at the same time. Because if you watch the deleted scenes, yeah, Spider Man shows up in Toby. Toby makes an appearance. Uh, what at the Statue of Liberty? Are we sure that's Toby and not just somebody in a Spider-Man outfit? Could be. I mean, it, it, it all just sounds, it looks like somebody just pranked him on the set. Because they're walking in, they're trying to do the scene, and then all of a sudden somebody in a Spider-Man outfit shows up, runs up behind him and goes, I'm here, I'm late, I'm here, I'm here. Oh, sorry, dang, wrong movie. Never mind. And just walks out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, Wow. It, it's, it's hard to tell. But it was funny regardless. It, oh, it was it hilarious. Was. It was absolutely hilarious. So, yeah. Well, on that note, how about a little. Picks of the week. Uh, Eric, why don't you start us off? Okay, my first pick of the week is Doctor Strange Damnation number one of five. Written by Donnie Coates, art by Rod Reese. The city of sin gets its biggest sinner yet. When Doctor Strange raises Las Vegas up from its destruction during Secret Empire, he inadvertently opens a big door to the embodiment of evil, Mephisto. This devilish villain takes the city for himself and sets his sights on the rest of the world. It's going to take heroes from all over the Marvel Universe to defeat him, but there's nothing simple about fighting the Lord of Hell. Alrighty. Well, I'm going to go with uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 796. Uh, It's written by Dan Slott. Artist is Mike Hawthorne. Cover artist is Alex Ross. Threat Level Red, Part 3. You've watched for months as Norman Osborn has scoured the globe for a cure to, be, to the genetic tampering that prevents him from becoming the Green Goblin. In this issue. And I'm cut off. <laughs> Let me see if I can find the rest, possibly over at Marvel.com. <laughs> which we have not been using lately because, well, we get the same type of issues. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Hence why this show has issues. Um, mm. So, Amazing Spider-Man. Of course, it's not there. Grr. So, that's that. Uh, Kyle, mm. your first pick. My first pick is uh, Black Panther Annual, number one. The uh, writer is Christopher Priest. The artist is Daniel Okuna. And the cover artist is Daniel Okuna. Legendary Panther Writers Return. Three legendary Black Panther writers return to Wakanda. Don McGregor's famous storyline, The Panther's Rage, has become one of the most well-respected runs in comic book history. Now, the author who has redefined Wakanda, 
for a generation is back to expand the mythos. Bearing the heart-shaped herb that defines the panther legacy, King T'Challa leaves his beloved country for a heart-wrenching mission in the streets of New York. Then, for half a decade, comics legend Christopher Priest made his mark on the panther. The acclaimed writer returns with an all-new story, and with it, of course, U.S. State Department employee Everett K. Ross. And finally, no panther history would be complete without Reggie Hoodlin, author of more than 50 Black Panther stories, including the famed Who is Black Panther? Don't miss the sequel to his Black to the Future story, featuring original artist Ken Lashley. Who we've had on the show. Ken Lashley? I thought we did. I don't wow. remember. I don't remember. Oh, talking I'm, I'm thinking Sanford and uh, and um, Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, Walker. Uh, yeah. Yes. Ken is someone we're working on getting on the show. Uh, that'd be awesome because I just finished reading "Who Is the Black Panther." It's really good. So I would that as well. I I got a chance to meet him back when I was working in the industry, and he is a super nice guy. Cool. He was working. He was uh, penciling Excalibur at the time. Ah. Okay. So, uh, Eric, back to you for second pick of the week. My second pick of the week is Mighty Thor, number 704, written by Jason Aaron, art by Russell Dodderman. The Death of the Mighty Thor, part five. Jane's cancer has taken a turn for the worse, but while she faces the enemy of her body, the Mangog ravages Asgardia. Odin and his son unite to take on the ultimate judgment. But without their mightiest warrior, the time of gods may come to an end. The death of the mighty Thor is coming. Will the world survive it? Intriguing. Uh, my second pick of the week is Monsters Unleashed number 11. Learning Curve part three. It's a team up, team up with Karnak and Lockjaw that will take Kid Kaju to the moon. Something is amiss on the dark side of the moon and Karnak the infamous Inhuman has decided that Kiyokaju is the only person who can help. So, Kylan, your second pick of the week. My second pick of the week is Daredevil, number 599. The writer is Charles Soule. The artist is Ron Garney. And the cover artist is Dan Mora. Mayor Fisk, part five. While Mayor Fisk continues his crusade against vigilantes, a new player joins the resistance against him. Okay. Well, Eric, why don't you bring us to a close with uh, our final pick of the week. My final pick of the week is Deadpool versus Old Man Logan, number five, written by Declan Shalvey, who also did the cover art for this, and interior art by Mike Henderson. Deadpool and Old Man Logan are back at it for one more try at saving a new Omega-level mutant named Maddie. But Maddie wants to take on evil weapon manufacturer Genform all on her own. She may not need any man. <laughs> well, my final pick is written by Karen Gillian. Artist is Emilio Lazio. Artist right, uh, cover artist is Ashley Witter and Star Wars Dr. Afra number 17. Afra who knew and her new crew are launching a brand new mission. 
that's it. The intern must have been getting ready for rodeo day. <laughs> must have. So, Kylan, your final pick of the week. My final pick of the week is Defenders number 10. Uh, the writer is Brian Michael Bendis. The artist is David Marquez. And the cover artist is David Marquez. Kingpins of New York, part five. Daredevil takes on the underworld single-handedly as Kingpins of New York reaches a dramatic crescendo. Okay. Well, Eric, why don't you bring us with the uh, Marvel Unlimited pick for the week? Well, my Unlimited picks, as you all know, and uh, people who have been listening to the show for a while know, uh, I like to pull out uh, selections from Marvel Unlimited that show the first uh, appearance of a character that has particular refer- relevance. I was about to say particular reference. That's not right. Uh, particular relevance to something that's going on in the show, in the issue, or just just otherwise timely. Well, mm-hmm. we have already done the first appearance of Black Panther. That was Fantastic Four number 52. But uh, to this time around, I'm going with Jungle Action Volume 2 number 6 from September 1973. Panther's Rage is the title. Uh, Roy Thomas was the editor-in-chief. Rich Buckler, good guy, by the way. And, okay, my old man eyes are not giving me good here. Uh, Frank Giacolia is the other cover artist. Uh, Don McGregor Rich was the writer. Rich Buckler was the penciler. Klaus Jansen was the inker. Glennis Wine was the colorist. Tom Orzakowski was the letterist. And why am I going on without telling you who the character is? Well, simple. I wanted to save it for now. It's the first appearance of Eric Killmonger. Ah, okay, cool. There you go. This is the this is the first time where you see him in the comics, and uh, you know, give it a read. See if I uh, see if you know how much similarity he has to the MCU version or not, and. Uh, I guarantee you, though, he won't jump off a building and burst into flames. <laughs> that's important. Well, I think that's going to bring us to a close. Any final thoughts? Mm, no, I can't really think of anything. Nope. Then on that note, Jarvis, if you would, please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope, just time to go dark. So without spoiling any more, how much more, uh, what previews did we see in front of Black Panther? Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Solo, um, and oh yeah, you got to see, uh, Venom. Oh, and the Rampage trailer. No, no Avengers. No Avengers this time. Oddly enough, see, it is odd. I was thinking that that would have been a definite one, but it wasn't. I would have thought we would have seen Avengers. <laughs> 